for the first time in the 2022 season. It is instant analysis. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Late night on Saturday night, early Sunday morning following the Crimson Tide's 55 to nothing win over visiting Utah State at Bryant-Denny Stadium. We're going to go around this football team following that week one performance, kind of give you some quick hit thoughts, probably not so much from a play-by-play perspective because, again, this thing turned into a runaway rather quickly, but, you know, some thoughts and maybe some insight after hearing Nick Saban postgame and a couple of the players postgame and just some of the things that we saw in that season opening win and we know of course the Texas Longhorns coming up next Saturday in Austin Texas Texas gets a win over Louisiana Monroe on Saturday night as well game day ESPN game day did you see that gonna be set up there in Austin next weekend. So the college football world ready to shift its focus to Alabama and Texas. But first, let's talk some Alabama-Utah State. Thought there were some interesting things really in all three phases of the game. What we'll do is we'll just work from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball and then some special teams as well because you had a little bit of a breakdown there. In the fourth quarter, that will undoubtedly be a teaching point for Nick Saban and Coleman Hutzler, the new special teams coach, as you get ready for the Longhorns on the road next week. But, you know, offensively, more of the same, right, from Bryce Young, 18 of 28 for 195 yards and five touchdowns for the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. How about Bryce Young with his legs? Now, a lot of Alabama fans, well, at least quite a few Alabama fans a year ago, felt like Bryce wasn't decisive enough when opportunities to run with the football presented themselves. I'd say he was on Saturday night, five carries for 100 yards. He had the 63-yard run there in the first half. Jameer Gibbs also explosiveness associated with him more so as a runner than of course Bryce Young but Jameer Gibbs nine carries 93 yards he had the 58 yarder there in the third quarter so between those two guys 193 of Alabama's 278 rushing yards in the game from those two players just one rushing touchdown because between Bryce and then Jalen Milrow coming in there In the second half, you had six touchdown passes for Alabama quarterbacks in the game. But Gibbs with that big playability, Bryce with some big playability of his own with his legs. Uh, Alabama averaged 8.7 yards per carry in the game. First time in three seasons that Alabama in a game has averaged more than eight yards per carry. You look at the five running backs that Alabama utilized in the game. They still averaged nearly seven yards per carry, even if you take Bryce's big night with his legs out of that mix. Uh, Gibbs certainly helped with the 58-yarder. But, you know, Jamarian Miller in there a little bit later in the game at a 23-yard run. So Alabama a year ago had two runs in 15 games total of 50 yards or more. Alabama... In the first three quarters against Utah State in the 2022 season opener, had two runs of 50 yards or more. So Bryce, again, 
racking up the touchdown passes. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson at the quarterback position. We see both those young guys there in the second half. Jalen pretty efficient, 8 of 10 for 76 yards. He didn't like the interception that he had. Uh, He did have the touchdown pass. Ty Simpson only threw it a couple of times uh, with one of those completions covering 10 yards for the true freshman A lot of stuff going on at the running back position, as we talked about. Jameer Gibbs, Jace McClellan. You saw Gibbs and McClellan in some two-back stuff. That wasn't a huge surprise, was it, early in the game? Then you saw Roydell Williams rotate in there as the third back. And I thought one of the most encouraging aspects of this performance was just how Jace and Roydell look to be pretty much fully recovered from knee injuries less than a year ago. You look at it from a calendar perspective, you're talking about 11 months, 10 months. You know, Jace was hurt earlier in the 2021 season than Roydell. So both those guys, Sands knee braces, I thought were very impressive given the road that they both followed in getting back on the field. Um, Trey Sanders, I thought. Did some nice things there. And what you saw were the backs catch the football a good bit on Saturday night. Jace McClellan, two catches for 25 yards. How about uh, efficiency there? Both of his catches go for touchdowns in the passing game for Jace McClellan. Um, you know that Trey Sanders can catch the football. That's been the case with him going back to his time, even at IMG. Uh, had another hurdle at the end of one of his receptions. Roydell had a catch for seven yards. Not as much with Jameer in the passing game on Saturday night. One catch for five yards. But you know there are some things, still plenty of things in that playbook from screen packages to, you know, we did see from personnel groupings. We talk about the two backs. But, you know, we saw them with two backs in the game and go to some five wides with the two backs on the field together. Jace and Jameer Gibbs with three wide receivers on the field. So they did give some upcoming opponents some things to think about when those guys are out there together. But as far as the wide receivers were concerned on Saturday night, how about Kobe Prentice? Five catches, 60 yards in his Alabama debut as a true freshman. Treshawn Holden, five catches, 70 yards. Treshawn at 6'3", 210 pounds. We have talked about his viability as a red zone and third down type of target. Well, both those touchdown catches on Saturday night were of the red zone variety. Just used his size to finish those two plays uh, with touchdowns there in the red zone. And then a lot of depth, a lot of different guys rotating in there at wide receiver. You know, Jermaine Burton, it wasn't a huge night in terms of yards per catch. He had five catches on nine targets for 35 yards, but two touchdowns for Jermaine Burton of his own in the game. Uh, so between Holden, Jermaine Burton, and Jace McClellan, those were your six touchdown receptions. Those three guys with two apiece but again very impressed by Kobe Prentice after the catch you knew he was dynamic you knew he had that ability Uh, he's also going to be a guy that you get him matched up in the slot with a nickel back or a third corner or maybe even sometimes a safety and he's going to have that big play ability Uh, Isaiah Bond showed you some good things he lost a big play and maybe the reason why it was a big play is because they're 
uh, in the fourth quarter, you had to block in the back on Emmanuel Sanders, excuse me, Emmanuel Henderson uh, on that catch by Kobe Prentice, where you saw him really hit the Jets down the USU sideline. But uh, Isaiah Bond with some good stuff as well, some promising stuff, and really got those young wide receivers involved. You know, a couple of summer enrollees that were in that mix there in the first half between uh, Kobe Prentice and Isaiah Bond and you know Kendrick Law is a true freshman that we saw out there. Two catches for 22 yards in the game. And the aforementioned Emmanuel Henderson, um, you know, uh, versatility, running back, wide receiver. Right now he's a wide receiver. Uh, we saw Christian Leary eventually rotate in there. But primarily – when you thought about your top four or five guys, for Saturday night anyway, you had Burton, you had Prentice, you had Treshawn Holden, and then you got into Ja'Cory Brooks, who did not have a catch in the game, but he was sort of that fourth receiver onto the field against USU, and continuing competition, no doubt about that, as you move forward and you get ready for some upcoming games and maybe some opportunities to get some more guys competition throughout the week and then how that plays out going into game days and still some guys that you're trying to get back. We didn't see Tyler Harrell in the game on Saturday night. You know, we knew that JoJo Earl was going to be out with that broken foot. Still no Aaron Anderson. So as we've talked about before, still a lot of upside for this rotation as you look ahead to the coming weeks and months even for those receivers. Tight end or a little thin, Cameron Latou did not go in the game on Saturday night. So you were looking at Robbie Oots. You were looking at Miles Kitzelman. You were looking at the freshman, who you pretty much saw. You saw Danny Lewis. You saw Amari Nyblack. Um so it was a, a deep group of tight ends. Again, Alabama, from a personnel perspective, gave you a lot to think about, especially in the first quarter. Alabama comes out in 11 with three wide receivers on the field with 11 personnel. Then you saw some you saw some 20 personnel. You saw two backs with three wide receivers. You saw some 12 personnel. So some different things to consider. Tight ends getting a lot of work, maybe not a ton of targets in the game Saturday night. And, you know, Robbie Oots did give up a sack. The only sack that Utah State had in the game, Robbie Oots was in pass protection, so you'd like to see that cleaned up a little bit. Kind of a tough matchup for a tight end going against a defensive end for Utah State who had three quarterback hurries against UConn a week ago. So those are things that you can work on during the upcoming week, and you will go into this next week wondering, is this when we see Cam Latou really start to ramp it up? as you get ready for that aforementioned trip to Austin. What about the offensive line? Well, part of the good news there was that you got to play pretty much everybody that we had seen on the two deep that Alabama issued early last week. Bit of a surprise there, and we learned from Nick Saban postgame the reason for it, because Emil Echior had been out, had missed some practices uh, due to injury uh, or just unavailability. And so when Alabama opened the game Saturday night, you've got J.V. on Cohen back in there at left guard, but you've got Kendall Randolph over on the right side. You anticipated seeing Randolph at left guard with Tyler Steen at left tackle. Instead, 
Cohen, a 14-game starter a year ago, is back in there at left guard with Ekior out, and Randolph flips over to right guard, and away they went. Um, pass protection, I would say, for an opener against an inferior opponent was good enough. You know, we tend to sort of focus on uh, you know, the misses and, and when things break down a little bit. And, you know, you watch Bryce and his unwillingness to give up on plays, it works both ways. You know, there are times where, you know, he can avoid some of the hits and maybe some of the, uh, the, the plays, the negative plays, uh, but he just doesn't want to give up on any plays. But, you know, more often than not, He's covering for maybe some issues in protection, and he's creating and extending his clock where the pass rush is concerned. And you know, a lot of times those lead to explosive plays or certainly productive plays in general. So that offensive line on Saturday night, we'll see how much that changes if it does in the coming week with Emil Echior expected to be back in that mix. Uh, where the starters are concerned. And then, as Nick Saban said, post-game Saturday night. Sounds like it's more of a situation still at left guard. Is it going to be J.V. on Cohen? Is it going to be Kendall Randolph? And if it is J.V. on Cohen, some of those concerns you have at tight end maybe alleviate themselves because, as we've seen the last couple of years, you can play Kendall there at that tight end position to go along with Cam Latou and Robbie Oots, Kitzelman, and those freshmen. So offensive line depth sort of played out the form based on the depth chart that was issued again early in the week. That next group in, you saw uh, pretty much what you anticipated seeing from that perspective. Uh, so offensively, you know, 278 rushing yards. And again, a lot of that on explosive plays from Young and Gibbs, Saban said afterwards, still need to see more down-in, down-out consistency from the run game. Just one rushing touchdown for an offense that a year ago had just 21 rushing touchdowns in 15 games. But the bottom line is points, and 55 looks pretty good for this Alabama offense in the season opener. Now, let's get into some of the defensive side of the ball because we were – Wondering about how some things would play out over there as well, starting with the cornerback position. And kind of figured there would be a little bit of a carousel at that one corner spot specifically, and it played out that way because Terry and Arnold got the start at left corner in the game. And as we expected, what did you think Utah State was going to do from the jump? They were going to look to challenge Alabama on the outside, especially when Alabama was in man coverage situations. And, you know, Terry and Arnold gave up a play there to start the game, but I didn't think it was terrible coverage. Uh, I thought it was a good ball from Logan Bonner uh, down that right sideline uh, to his wide receiver, Brian Cobbs, for 23 yards. But really, otherwise, I thought Alabama's corners did a nice job. Kyrie Jackson had a hell of a tackle for a loss that you probably saw in the short game, just absolutely blew that thing up. But what we saw was Terry and Arnold. Then we saw Eli Ricks. Then we saw Kyrie Jackson. Um, so it, it was. It was very much a rotation there at the corner spot. We figured that Kool-Aid McKinstry would be the guy on the other side. That was pretty much the case. And, you know, you think that 
Utah State was going to sling it around a good bit, but only threw it 22 times. Now, Utah State only ran, what, 59 plays in the game, I guess it was. Only averaged 2.3 yards per play. When you look at third downs, Utah State, 3 of 17, so that's certainly an acceptable number if you're Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding. And some different looks up front. Thought that Alabama would play a lot of guys. That's exactly what happened. You were anticipating Jaheim Otis, the true freshman, being a central figure in that rotation, and you did see the big man early. Uh, But there are still some staples with that defensive front, especially on early downs. There's a reason why you're going to continue to see DJ Dale and Justin Aboigbe and Byron Young. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, again, their viability on early downs first and foremost. And Utah State finished the game with 79 rushing yards on 37 attempts. And, you know, that's interesting because none of that total was impacted by sacks. Alabama did not have a sack in the game. You have to go back to Tennessee in 2020 for the last time that Alabama did not have a sack in a game. And again, you look at couple of things. You look at Utah State attempting just 22 passes. Didn't have many opportunities. You did have four quarterback hurries. So you were in the neighborhood on occasion. And also, I didn't think this would be a spot in the opener where Pete Golding would say, hey, here's all of our personnel groupings for when we go with more of our pass rush in the nickel and certainly when we go dime rabbits. Here's that aforementioned look that so many people have talked about with Braswell and Anderson and Dallas Turner on the field. We're going to go ahead and roll that out there for everybody to see uh, on an extended basis before we go to Texas in a week's time. So I think there's still, still plenty we haven't seen when it comes to Alabama's approach to the pass rush. But Alabama with five tackles for loss in the game. Seemed appropriate, right, that it was Will Anderson there in the first quarter that had Alabama's first TFL of the season. Big hit in the backfield off of zone read action, and that was problematic for Utah State going into the game because, as we had written about and talked about pretty extensively, Logan Bonner coming off that knee injury, you didn't really have to account for him in the run game. So if it's a zone read look, you pretty much can anticipate that it's going to be the back. It's not going to be a situation where Bonner was going to pull. And um, Blake Anderson, with that, played a couple of other quarterbacks, including Cooper Legas, uh, who is more of a run threat, um, but still not along the lines of, say, an Anthony Richardson at Florida. So without that dynamic, uh, it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough for Utah State to run the football with any type of consistency against this Alabama defense. So again, just 136 total yards for Utah State in the game. Uh, Conversion plays, not a lot of success. 11 penalties against Utah State in the game for 110 yards. Alabama okay from a penalty perspective. Six for 40. Uh, You had a pass interference, I guess, against Eli Ricks. You almost had another one there later in the game against Brian Branch. They picked that one up. Uh, That ball was was just about into the student section uh, when they they threw that flag on the the incompletion. But 
Um, Alabama defensively with a solid, solid start personnel-wise. Again, a lot of guys like on offense, seeing time in the game. The defensive front going very, very deep in that regard. Good to see some guys like Jamarian Latham get some run after a couple of years in the program. Um, you know, linebacker level, you saw Kendrick Blackshire roll in there. You thought about the weak side position and you know Jalen Moody and Deontay Lawson, and it was Moody who got the start, but we saw plenty of Deontay Lawson. We actually saw some of Deontay Lawson and Jalen Moody out there together. So, you know, working on some things from a contingency perspective, too, um, with the potential for a, again, another 14, 15 game season, you have to take those opportunities to work some combinations and some scenarios where you'd rather not think about it, but you also need to be prepared if, in fact, some of them do come to fruition. So outside linebacker, you saw Q Robinson in there some, Braswell in support as well, uh, Demoy Kennedy uh, at some stages during the, the latter portions of the game. Um, inside linebacker, you know, Henry Toa Toa is your every down guy. You know that uh, in the middle of the field, but uh, again, a good opportunity to work in some of these younger guys. And, you know, Ian Jackson noticed him on the sideline. He wasn't dressed. So if you were wondering a little bit about, you know, where he was in the game, uh, that's where that sat on Saturday night. In the secondary, we talked about corner. We talked about, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry and the other three guys there. Safety, what you anticipated to play out, exactly that with DeMarco Ellums and, uh, Jordan Battle. You know, I think there was a little bit of a question about how Dime might go. Would it be Branch still at Star or Malachi Moore at Money? Uh, it looked like it was more Branch at the Money and Malachi in the Dime playing the Star. Uh, Branch was the starter at the Star uh, defensive back position. So, you know, just some different things to keep an eye on from a depth perspective. You know, more so at safety, you saw Devonta Smith. Uh, you saw Christian Story at safety later in the game. You also saw Malachi and Brian Branch uh, get some work. So, again, some good opportunities to work on some different things. And you know, I think most of the time you think about things like that. I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but you think more about the quarterback position. And so... I thought Milrow, and again, it was good for Milrow and Simpson uh, to get some work. Uh, I think Jalen showed you he is still evolving as a passer. Um, He's not obviously as comfortable in that regard as, say, the last couple of three guys that have gone through the program. But really, when you stack those three guys up against the rest of college football, you know, no one looks as comfortable as Tua Tagovailoa or Mac Jones or Bryce Young. So there's going to be a pretty good contrast between those guys and whoever you put out there. But we've said it before, it's still an important stretch, no doubt, for Milrow and Ty Simpson uh, as you, you go throughout this season, not only in terms of being legitimate options should something happen to Bryce Young, God forbid, but big picture-wise, as well. Special teams, uh, you know, Will Riker's just money, right? That's what the guy does. He makes his kicks. 
That's uh, basically what he does. And so uh, Reichard continues to be very, very accurate. Good from 45 and 33 yards on his field goals. James Burnup, I thought, on the uh, punt that wasn't blocked, uh, it took a while to, to get to see him in that regard as the punter. Uh, but he went with more of the Aussie rugby-style approach, and he had a 51-yarder. So that was a field flip opportunity for him. It was in a runaway game, uh, but he had a good effort. Now, on the block, it looked like maybe you had some confusion there between your personal protectors. You got Robbie Oots in there, and you got Henry Toa Toa. Um, Nobody took the guy right up the gut, which I'm guessing is rule number one. Not only for your personal protectors, but it looked like Utah State ran a little bit of a game up front, and that opened the middle up for that rusher, and then he gets to the second level. Henry, I think, saw a flat a, a guy flash to his outside, so he went outside to help, and with that, the, uh, the seas parted, I guess you could say between him and Oots. Oots had a, a middle guy coming on his side, too. And it looked like he took his guy, but uh, I'm sure that's something they're going to want to address. And that was a punt in which they were trying to keep Burnup in the, in the pocket there and kind of let him take on more of a traditional uh, approach with that punt. And uh, as we know, didn't work out all that well. So otherwise, in terms of special teams, not much in the way of opportunities. Utah State had plenty of punts. 10 punts for a 38.3 yard average uh, for the Utah State punt team. Um, Pretty quiet night otherwise, though, for uh, special teams. Got to clean up, though, the punt pro. Uh, punt protection Uh, you you can't have that happen moving forward and that's a teaching point for Nick Saban and his staff moving on here in the coming days so there you go Alabama 55 Utah State 0 in the 2022 season opener man we've got so much coverage for you at BamaOnline.com Charlie Potter of course Kirk McNair Myself will continue to put a wrap on this season opening performance. And yeah, the trip to Texas coming up next. Wild day around the SEC. Georgia just absolutely hammers Oregon and Atlanta. It was a sweep for the SEC against the Pac-12 as the Florida Gators took out 7th-ranked Utah in Gainesville on Saturday night. That was a pretty thrilling finish down at the swamp so billy napier pretty impressive start for the ex-alabama assistant under nick saban big win to get that tenure going down in gainesville elsewhere around the league good stuff also in non-conference action in a top 25 matchup between arkansas and cincinnati sam Pittman keeps that thing going in fayetteville the hogs 31 cincinnati 24 so a positive day around the sec and you still got lsu and florida state on sunday night from new orleans louisiana so we'll continue to keep you covered on all things alabama crimson tide from both a team and recruiting perspective because you know tim watson hank south when it comes to recruiting coverage no one's going to do it better than that dynamic duo 
And it's just uh, an update a minute this time of year between team and recruiting. And we'll have it all for you there at BamaOnline.com. And you'll want to hang out with us, no doubt. At the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to this here podcast, the Bama Online Podcast. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, by the way, or anywhere you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. If you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer thanking you once again, and until next time, so long, everybody.